0: Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of SBC. This week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC this week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe.
1: Hey, Jonathan, how's it going?
0: I'm feeling labored.
1: Okay, I can't look. This is the way we start almost every week, where you say I'm feeling something that that's just too far. That's that's a total dad joke. Yeah, it's Labor Day weekend, yes. but I can't join. At I least can't you got join it this in. week. Yeah. I'm just going to
0: say, I will say this, though. Six years ago this week, it truly was a Labor Day.
1: Oh, uh, because Avery, one of your kids? Yeah.
0: Avery Grace uh, made her debut on September 1st of 2014. And it was Labor Day at like 1130 at night. It was great. It was the best Labor Day ever, by the way. Best Labor Day ever.
1: It actually was that same kind of week for us fifteen years ago because August thirty first was two thousand five was when Drew was born, the day the levees broke in New Orleans. So Yeah. Big week in the Whitfield and Howe houses.
0: Yes, it is. So a couple of birthdays in our our neck of the woods, so kind of fun. So Amy, twenty twenty has been a different year. That's a mild understatement. And this fall is going to be a little different fall, especially for us here in the SBC and and here on the podcast too. We've kind of alluded to it before, but we're not going to have a lot of those state convention recaps that we've had in the past because a lot of the state conventions aren't happening. And that's where we start this week with our news from around the SBC.
1: I think we all sort of anticipated this, but now uh, the results are starting to come in. As of September 1st, only 13 out of 41 state conventions are intending to proceed with in-person gatherings.
0: Yeah. You know this this list is fluid though. That's the thing too. It's not just that these are canceled or moving around like there's the possibility of others adding being added to that list or being taken away from that 13. So we're we're seeing kind of three different models. We're seeing like a, a just we're proceeding as normal. We're seeing a hybrid or online either meeting slash Informational thing, kind of like what we did with SPC Advance, which was not a real meeting, but it was informational for everybody in the SPC. Right. And then we're also seeing some abbreviated schedules, like Georgia. You know, they've knocked it down to like one day and like one afternoon almost. So, and the, and those are yeah. still
1: in person, but they're yeah. a lot shorter and a lot less people. It's like, what do we need to do to get the business to kind of keep the lights on? What do we need to do to keep things yeah. going?
0: So, uh, we're watching those and, and we're scheduled to be at some of these. I know some of the ones that you and I are scheduled to be at were canceled and some of them have been modified and we're not going. So there's still a few that we're scheduled to be at. So we'll right. kind of keep an eye on all this. Obviously, we're working on a, a big list. There's a list in the Baptist Press article uh, on uh, that came out on Thursday that has some of the information there. But this is like we said at the beginning. It's kind of a fluid situation. We're waiting to see what's going on. So we have states like South Dakota that have seen a a huge COVID-19 kind of outbreak across the state. I don't know if that will impact their state convention annual meeting or not. But we wait and see. So we just have to wait and see what happens in each individual state. So uh, a lot of the bigger states in the South have, have modified or moved things. So kind of really just is wait and see and just kind of, you know, pay attention to your own state and see what they're doing. Be in touch with them. So watch what's coming from the local state conventions uh, for you to to know what's going on in your state and if your state convention is meeting. If it is, I encourage you to go and be a part of the process. But if not, well, watch online, I guess. That's right. Well, Amy, it's the first of the month. You know what that means? CP. That's right. I got good news again this month, Amy. We've had good news the last couple of months because things are Yeah,
1: are things are, are looking up.
0: Yes. So for the first time since like January, February, we have a second consecutive month where the cooperative program giving through the national cooperative program allocation budget topped $16 million. The total for August was $16,078,609.05. Don't forget that nickel right there. Uh, it's just slightly less than the budgeted amount of $16.375 million, but it also pushes us over $178 million for the year with just one month to go. So, at the beginning of COVID-19 pandemic, we didn't really know what was going to happen with giving. We saw that big drop back a few months ago down to like 14.1 million. Didn't know where we would wind up the end of the year. But it seems like that was the floor, and things have gotten back up and they're, you know, almost to budget now. And it's possible we could wind up between 192 and 194, maybe even more than 194, 194 million dollars for the year, which is just slightly under that 196.5 million dollar budget that we had that we, we really didn't think we'd be even close to. And now, hey, we're right there on it.
1: Pretty exciting and something that in the spring we weren't sure we would see.
0: No, absolutely not. So uh, really, really good news for the cooperative program allocation budget for the 2020 fiscal year. So the executive committee is meeting later this month in just a couple of weeks to approve a 2021 budget. Uh, we'll have more information on that after that meeting so uh, to know where we are on that but you know just a, a probably a slight decrease over what we've seen this year because the giving has been so strong some news from texas amy a sex abuse charge has been dropped against a former children's minister at the village church
1: yeah we've been following this story and so just by way of update this is something that really came to light last year um there was a charge there had been a charge in November 2018 but a lot of us learned about it you know in 2019 against Matthew Ton he was charged with indecent sexual contact with a child um and this allegedly happened at the at a summer children's camp in 2012 there is a civil lawsuit that is is continuing and uh, we have to remember, you know, civil cases, criminal cases, two uh, different things, lots of different processes. So the civil case is continuing. But the district attorney said that the complainant cannot and has not positively identified the defendant as the person who committed this offense, and so therefore dropped the charges. Now, the story we have in Baptist Press has some responses from the attorney for the complainant saying we're continuing forward with the civil lawsuit. The client is ready to identify ton, you know, things like that. But uh, obviously, as we understand criminal cases, civil cases, a couple of different processes. And so at this stage, this is what the district attorney has done. So we'll, we'll continue to follow this. The civil lawsuit is not until next year.
0: Like you said, we'll continue to follow this case we have been for the last 18 months or so. And uh, we have another update on a story that we've been talking a lot about here on the podcast in the past few weeks. Liberty University announced this week they are opening an independent investigation into Jerry Falwell Jr.'s tenure as president. This investigation will be a wide-ranging inquiry that will include financial, real estate, and legal matters. And that was announced by the school's board of trustees on Monday. Uh, the full statement is available at Baptist Press. You can read that over in the story. And so we will keep an eye on this and, you know, update you. I mean, there's things kind of happening almost every week now over at Liberty and we've been bringing those to you here on the podcast and we'll continue to do so. Now, Amy, last weekend was a, a pretty devastating weekend down in Louisiana and Southeast Texas. Southern Baptists have been on the field down in Lake Charles, down in Beaumont, Vider, uh, even up in Fort Polk, Alexandria. My parents are still without power. They've been without power for, I think, 10 days now out there where they live just outside of Alexandria. And and that's a big concern right now is the the lack of power and water down in southwest Louisiana, but Southern Baptists are on the ground down there serving meals and helping clear debris in the aftermath of Hurricane Laura.
1: This is something that we see often, and frankly, I never get tired of seeing it, that Southern Baptists get on the ground really fast in disaster relief. It's one of the great frontline things that happens, and we see it a lot this time of year. Um, So that is good, but it is there's a lot of suffering and damage and fallout that people are continuing to deal with, even as the rest of the world and the country kind of moves on to the next story.
0: So if you are looking to help out, there's a few ways you can help out down there. The Southern Baptist Disaster Relief, obviously working down there. Send Relief, you can uh, help them out over at sendrelief.org slash and Trinity Baptist Church, kind of like the, the hub for Southern Baptist work down there in Lake Charles, has also set up a hurricane relief fund uh, that is down in Lake Charles Trinity Baptist pastored by Steve James and uh, Greg Bath is leading the, the outreach down there as well so uh, good friends of mine we used to live there we were members there we know all these people doing great work down there but uh, you can find out about how to donate to a hurricane relief efforts down in Louisiana over at tbclc.org so that's Trinity Baptist Church down there in Lake Charles we'll put all those links in the podcast uh, show notes. So if you're uh, looking to help out with that, we would encourage you to do so. That's going to do it for our news this week and bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history, Amy minds!
1: All right. So I want to go to 1962 to a conversation that was happening at a Christian life conference. All right. So this is held by the Christian life commission. Um, it was at Ridgecrest. They would have these often, but it, it actually reminded me of a couple of things one it reminded me of conversations that we're even experiencing some today but also it reminded me of some of a story i heard and so i wanted to to sort of use that it was a conference that focused on the threat of communism so remember it's 1962 and uh, so this is probably actually had happened maybe a couple maybe a week or two before, but it was published in the August thirty first issue of Baptist Press. And uh, it's and so nineteen sixty two. This is sort of the height; all the things are happening: Bay of Pigs, Cuban Missile Crisis, Khrushchev and Kennedy. Like
0: you, you sounded like a Billy Joel song there.
1: Oh, like uh, we didn't start the fire.
0: Yeah, that's, that's the one.
1: Yeah, just carry on. All the things. All right, so. Anyway, Foy Valentine, who was the head of the Christian Life Commission at the time, uh, some some quotes in here that are just really strong. He said, um, those who offer a simple and painless panacea are either ignorant or charlatans or both he encouraged, he was encouraging them to seek to penetrate the heavy fog of emotionalism that surrounds much of the current talk and activity concerning communism. Let us come to a better understanding of the foe we face. And what he said was that the people listening had a failure to apply the gospel in daily life. And because of this, there was a vacuum into which Marxism, communism, things moved in. Um, he said the mosquitoes of communism have bred in the swamps of poverty, Im- ignorance, oppression, prejudice, and materialism. Wherever Christians apply the gospel in draining these very swamps, communism can gain no foothold and was, um, and said that There's a worldwide disenchantment with this. Christians should seize that moment for a bold and new proclamation of the gospel. And here's what it made me think of. So I heard a story a few years back, and I was so struck by it um, that at the time, that's when I was working at Southeastern, we decided, our team decided to put it in the Southeastern magazine. And it was a story from a professor, Dan Heimbach, who's a Christian ethics professor, at southeastern and he told us the story of his parents who were missionaries in thailand and in 2011 he had gone over there to where they had served and talk started talking to people there and had a conversation with a man that his parents had converted like that that and what he told them was essentially his parents had gone over there they were missionaries there this is when communism is really taking root in asia cambodia laos everything and his parents had essentially gone and spread the gospel this in, these entire groups of people got converted and then what that did in their what that did to them the their faith experience actually led them to push back because then sort of the communist movement was coming, trying to convince them this is the answer to everything. And they said no and pushed against it. And so it was almost like this picture of his parents and they didn't even know this. Like they didn't even realize this as a family. He didn't know that his parents had had this role, that it was them bringing the, bringing the gospel into this society that had given them sort of what they needed among this group. And so it was a really cool story about whole villages turning to Christ, village after village, um, the whole region, you know, coming and how the Holy spirit had worked. And he really, looked to Dr. Heimbach's father as being sort of the one that, that the Lord used in that moment. And it actually did make a a difference, uh, against what was happening broad scale. So that's why I, I, I caught it and I thought, all right, we're talking a lot about these types of things in the world now. Well, they were talking about it for sure this week in SBC history. Um, but there was even a picture of it happening right around those years. And so I've got the story from BP of that time, uh, but I'm also going to throw in a link to that Southeastern magazine. There's an issue link and you can look and it's a story called how God used my missionary parents. Um, so very, very cool.
0: Very cool. That's really neat. So that's a, a neat kind of legacy there, I guess that Dr. Heimbach got to experience, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is?
1: My resource of the week is a new resource that is out from the ERLC, um, really uh, coming from the work of the Sexual Abuse Advisory Group and part of the Caring Well Initiative. And it is essentially a manual. It's called the Caring Well Hiring Guide, but it's a manual for churches. It just gives guidance because a lot of churches have asked questions, okay, we want to be thoughtful in how we hire staff members, select volunteers, how we make sure we cover all the bases in terms of understanding background and history. Uh, but how do we do this? And it's essentially a uh, very practical, but covers a lot of ground uh, guide that is, the, it is what it describes as a first step for church leaders on what to consider when seeking screening and choosing staff or volunteers. And so it is free. It is available at caringwellcom slash hiring. Uh, it's just an 18 page document. It talks about establishing a screening process, formulating questions for written applications, background checks, how to do reference checks, how to review internet activity, uh, conduct in-person interviews, how to administer orientation and training and how to identify grooming practices used by predators with children. So uh, just a really good resource that uh, leans on some experts and specialists to provide this. And uh, I would highly recommend it.
0: All right. So all of that's valuable. Absolutely. Uh, Nobody's going to disagree with that. But there's one part that you mentioned right there at the end that I think is the part where, I think we may be least educated, and that is identifying grooming patterns. Right, and that seems to be the piece that everybody's like, "Oh well, we, yeah, we don't background checks, da 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 da." You know, we we have these policies in place for people to be in the same room, you know, not to be in the same room, those kind of things. Grooming is the one area where I think we lack awareness the most of, of all the things right. that you just mentioned. Does that make yes. sense?
1: Yes and we yes, and we need to start educating ourselves. And we don't want to because we just don't want to think about that happening. But the reality is we have to educate ourselves on those things. And this is a circular issue because we have to remember too. This is where it becomes important report, report, report. Because yep. if we're telling everyone to do background checks, but we're not reporting when incidents happen then nothing's going to come up on the background check. So we have to be vigilant at every step in this. When an incident happens, we report to the authorities. When we are hiring, when we are looking for volunteers, we do background checks. And here's the thing. I remember the day when one church that I was a part of and and some other churches that that friends were at, uh, background checks were starting to become more common for volunteers at that time. And it it would offend people because they would be like, why are you doing a background check on me? You know me. It would would hurt them. And we have to recognize this is not personal. These are policies that need to be put in place. We need to know these things. And it just needs to be across the board. Um, And then, like you said, we've now got to start educating ourselves on identifying grooming patterns, understanding if you see something, say something. If you have something that concerns you, you know, we've all got to be a part of this yeah. together.
0: Well, and, and part of that is also creating avenues for people to say something. That That's right. one of the big problems that I've noticed is uh, in a lot of places is that there's no mechanism for somebody to say something without right. either fear of retribution or whatever it may be. So that's just something to, to kind of keep in mind as you're reading that. So I highly recommend that as well. Do check that out and, uh, you know, put those in place at your church or nonprofit or whatever, you know, wherever you may work. So... All right, my resource of the week is uh, kind of a revamped version of SBCAnnualMeeting.net. Amy, you know what the first of the month next month is, right?
1: Hotel registration opens up.
0: Yes, that's right. October 1st, 8 o'clock a.m. Central, hotel registration for the SBC Annual Meeting opens up. Now, if you're planning on coming, and you should be, You've got all your hotel options and information listed over at net, So you can start going there, checking that out, and uh, deciding you know, where I want to stay. Do I want to stay on site? Do I want to drive in? I would highly recommend staying on site if you can at all possible because that's going to be a lot easier and it's going to be fun. We'll have like five to 6,000 Southern Baptists under one roof next summer. That's right. Staying, all the time. You know, all yeah. there, you know, you can take a Delta River boat cruise if they have those open by then and play in the water park yes. with your favorite Southern Baptist. Maybe you'll see your favorite Southern Baptist seminary president at the water park
1: going down the slide.
0: Yes, that would be funny, by the way. I just want to throw that out there. But I, you know, I wouldn't put it past Jamie Doe, Jason Allen, those guys, you know, what they've got young kids rolling down the absolutely. slide. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I've Dr. Moly taking
0: been... his grandson down the big slide.
1: Maybe. Yeah, so it's going to be a lot of fun, and it's important, you know. Yeah, just to be clear, the, we're not
0: there for the water park. Just want to make sure. Right. that That's a we bonus, got business. by the way. We got, we got business. Got business to, to come
1: do. early, come early or stay late. I don't want to hear that somebody was going down the slide at the moment of an important vote. Okay? Yeah. Because that's not a good excuse. Decisions are made by those who show up, so don't that's be at right. the water park when you're supposed to be in the room. Actually, exactly. we should hope because we're at, we're all staying there. We should hope that any messengers, like the the water park, should be fairly empty at certain key yes, moments.
0: Absolutely, it should be so, absolutely empty on Tuesday and Wednesday, and that's Sunday right. and Monday,
1: <laughs> right?
0: Because we should all Come be early. involved in the meeting.
1: Come early, stay late. Plan yes. for that. Yes. Uh, but as, uh, you know, what Dean and Sarah says, uh, Sunday morning worship is a Saturday night decision. Well, the SBC annual meeting is a October hotel registration decision. Like, that go ahead now. Right. Yes, Go ahead now and make your plans. Uh, so, yes, that site is live so people can look at it, start thinking where they're going to stay, what they're going to do, and be ready for October 1st. Is this the time for me to make my beginning of the campaign for a new hashtag?
0: We're not changing the hashtag.
1: Can I at least make my proposal here? Okay. We've talked about this. Somebody, uh, there are other people, there's somebody else that likes it. So if we had the hashtag that you just abbreviate each thing for the meeting for the Southern Baptist Convention SO for Southern, BA for Baptist, CON for Convention, and then the hashtag is SO BACON.
0: All right, this is where I'm going to mute you and not let you talk anymore. So we're not doing that. They can't hear you, Amy. I'm, 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 I've I'm, muted you. I've muted you. So they did not hear you say that you could start a movement right now. So I'm, I'm not going to let you talk anymore after that. We're not doing that. It's going to be SBC 21. That's the hashtag. And it's not going to be anything revolving around Sobacon or Sobacon as much as it would delight Bill Towns, because uh, he's the one he's the one leading that charge. All right, you can talk again, Amy.
1: Yeah, he's the one that first brought it to mind, and I was like, that's amazing. And that's me, because I love bacon. I'm so bacon. Well, yeah, so.
0: but we're not doing that again. All right, Stop I'll it. bring
1: it up again later.
0: Stop it. Okay, on that note, folks, we'll see you next week.
1: See you next week.